So now, according to Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, apparently the sell-off for Palantir is now over, as was within the words of this analyst that we're going to look at within one moment. Investment firm Bank of America specifically said that this sell-off was overdone, and this was despite the falling of Palantir shares fairly significantly over the past few quarters. The analyst named Marina from Bank of America has a buy rating and a $14 price target on Palantir Technologies, noting that the shares have declined 8.5% so far this week as investors are increasingly concerned about software infrastructure spending heading into a potential recession, the company's strategy for investing in special purpose acquisition companies, and the recent downgrades. In our view regarding the SPACs, according to the analyst with a $14 target, this was poorly timed and has not achieved the investment objectives this far. Mara wrote within a note to clients that adding, the company has already recognized $334 million in related losses and may see another $40 million hit in the fourth quarter, given the stock market current environment. However, she did also mention that this strategy is indicative of Palantir's aggressive approach to sales and is likely to see another strong year for revenue growth. So I'm currently writing my monthly deep dive for next month. Palantir, and I've identified two main objectives for a CEO, in which ties into the prior commentary very well. There are two major roles for a CEO. Number one is successful operation and accumulation of cash from current operations. And secondly, is the deployment of that cash within the most effective manner. Capital allocation skills are the most important skills a leader can have, a CEO within an organization can have. And there are five major ways in which capital allocation can be achieved successfully. This is through investing in existing operations, acquiring other companies, issuing dividends, paying down debt, and repurchasing stock. For Palantir, it seems that the bulk of their capital allocation decisions are not focused on, most definitely, the payment of dividends, neither the purchasing of stock, or the acquisition of other companies, but instead has been focused on investing in existing operations and paying down debt so far. There are some concerns I have, obviously, because when management does make terrible capital allocation skills and loses $400 million with a monetary value, supposedly from these SPACs, then this obviously is a red flag as an investor. It highlights the potential flaws within their capital allocation decisions. This highlights to me when you invest within 20, 30 plus SPACs at an all-time high in consideration of the macroeconomic volatility, and many of them go bankrupt, it highlights the poor judgment and the concern that I have regarding management's ability to allocate capital successfully within the future. Realized and unrealized losses on the SPAC portfolio has reached upwards of 85% at the end of September, or about $333 plus million according to my analysis of Panther's latest accounts. The SPAC's misadventure features in several class action lawsuits by investors that the company intends to defend vigorously according to the third quarter accounts. Panther declined to comment. One SPAC partner, custom part manufacturer Fast Radius, filed for bankruptcy later this month, just months after going public. Hence, Panther is unlikely to receive the bulk of the $45 million revenue anticipated from the contract, and its $20 million investment is probably now worth zero. So as I noted in the past, the thesis originally for the SPAC investments was analogous to early-stage governmental growth. What you saw within the early-stage government was Panther battle-testing, trialing, adapting their software to the needs of governments and then replicating this within the commercial space, specifically towards large commercial customers. 
The SPAC initiative, I believe, was a non-monetary way of gaining experience battle-testing software within the realm of small startups and therefore widening the TEM over time. Via the SPACs, this was a methodological approach for testing, trialing, and then adapting the product for the needs of smaller companies, therefore allowing for the gradual increase within TEM. And whilst I do believe this point still holds truth, it's clear to see that the monetary um, aspect of this investment is utterly poor. So whilst you could argue there's some intangible benefits regarding the ability to battle test software within a range of areas, in regards to the monetary value associated with these investments, it's pretty much gone to zero. If anything, I believe the SPAC initiatives and investments highlights the iconoclastic nature, the unconventional nature of management to Palantir, and sometimes that unconventionality goes too far and doesn't work out. In terms of future growth and what Morgan Stanley also touched upon, the following highlights this very clearly. You can read the whole thing, by the way, on Donaldson's.com in the full glory. According to Bank of America, we expect Palantir to repeat another year of strong sales as continued supply chain disruption and an increasingly expected recession calls for further optimization of operations and data management, the analyst posited. However, it is corporate software budgets struggling in which we expect Palantir to pursue that growth with lower pricing and margins, especially considering the $2.4 billion in net cash. The analyst at Bank of America also noted that at a share price of $6, investors are getting Palantir's commercial business basically free, and its government exposure is worth $7 per share by itself. Now, Morgan Stanley optimistically recently pointed out to the fact that software is increasingly deflationary within an increasingly inflationary world. And this ties in with the analysis from Bank of America. Morgan Stanley stated that cost pressures are making companies accelerate investments in automation and productivity enhancing technologies. Many of these technologies are inherently deflationary. They state that persistent inflation in areas such as labor supply chain and procurement and energy give rise to transformational investment across industries. While cyclical forces tend to deter investments in uncertain macro environments, we believe that structural changes in demographics, energy policy, security, and an aging capital base makes technologies focused on cost productions and productivity more valuable. Furthermore, Morgan Stanley went on to state, as we read and posted on Dantons.com, that software is a deflationary technology within an inflationary world. This is an incredibly important point to understand. Morgan Stanley pointed out that C3, Palantir, and Snowflake are enabling more efficient supply chain logistics with a better use case of data, consolidation of multiple data sources, and making usable to solve some of the most difficult problems facing organizations and governments is the core functionality of these vendors. In the context of this report, all three, namely C3, Palantir, and Snowflake, have taught to significant use cases with their customer base of driving logistics and supply chain efficiencies with their software. In other words, in the consideration of high cost of capital and labor, companies are going to be investing within a deflationary technology and software to gain competitive advantages and to increase efficiencies. So this is the full commentary by Bank of America and Morgan Stanley's commentary is included too. You can read the whole thing on dantons.com within the full glory. I think just on the final few points, it's wise to not be so idealistic about the world. I think there's a danger being too idealistic about chaos and the adoption of Palantir. We know Palantir thrives within chaotic periods. In fact, we have case studies and evidence to back those claims up. However, when it comes to the commercial segment specifically, Palantir needs to ease adoption associated with getting the software within the hands of the right people. Palantir needs the development community. Palantir needs to democratize the product offering with a freemium tier. 
Palantir needs to focus on the sales team. Palantir needs to focus on consumption-based pricing, some of which they're doing. But they need to do this more aggressively because now is the time to shine. I think it's interesting. This is Bank of America and their $14 price target on Palantir.